your talk show for all things automotive. From the latest news to the greatest views and the biggest names in rolling iron. Your host is Brett Hatfield, freelance auto journalist, senior auction analyst for Sports Car Market Magazine and American Car Collector Magazine, writer and editor of ReadTheDriven.com and owner of his own small but growing fleet of cool cars. Get behind the wheel of an hour of car talk starting right now. Thanks for listening to Driven Radio. We are your home for the very best in automotive content and interviews. You can find us online at readthedriven.com, on iTunes, ACAST, Stitcher, Google Play, 7-Eleven, any place you listen. <laughs> yeah, wherever you wherever, 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 quick trip. <laughs> wherever, Get yourself you, a taquito. You find us at Denny's. We're in that corner booth in the back. You know, the one that's kind of shaped like three yeah, quarters of a circle. Into the wood. Uh, <laughs> For a good listen, call. <laughs> you can follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, uh, at Driven Radio Show, uh, on Instagram at Read the Driven, in a car, you know, you get an Uber. <laughs> Would you like to hear us in a train? Would you like to hear us in your brain? <laughs> in case you haven't figured it out, I'm your host, Brett Hatfield. I'm here with Mark Groves and Woo-hoo. Craving Cars' own Corey Pratt. Hey. We are coming to you from Driven Radio Studios. And if you like what you're hearing, you enjoy the show, tell a friend. Tell a car friend. Tell a non-car friend. That would be really awesome. Yeah. We, you know, yeah. We, we love more, talking about this. And the, the more the merrier. And, yeah. uh, you know... We're only able to do what we can do with the support of our listeners. Yay! So if you like what you're hearing, tell somebody. Tell a lot of somebodies. And if you don't like what you're hearing, just tell us. Hey, uh, we got a lot of stuff this week. Uh, Our esteemed Mr. Groves has been busy digging up all kinds of news stories. You sent me a ton of stuff today, dude. Oh, it was cool. Uh, And uh, I I just Googled a little of this, a little of that, and it was like, whoa, this is neat. Whoa, this is neat. So yeah, we got some good stuff to talk about. I had to parse through that. Some of it didn't make the cut. Mean, I know, which you is crazy. You have to camp out in the floor at a Barnes & Noble in the magazine section? <laughs> but believe it or not. <laughs> old days, baby. Old days. <laughs> believe it or not, I kicked out a Porsche story. What? Yeah. God, well, there was a lot of you. There was a lot of other really great stuff in here that That's we it, I'm out of talk here. about. See you later. <laughs> uh, we've got news about the new McLaren Speedtail, and the top speed is, it is just insane. It, it's, yeah, it's past plaid. Uh, we've got news about the world's fastest Christmas tree. Ooh. Yes. Uh, electric truck startup Rivian has done another round of, uh, of fundraising. Oh, my God. And, oh, yeah. my good Lord. You should see the check they brought home this time. <laughs> and a family who has been printing their very own Lamborghini. Printing? Which is very printing. interesting to me. That, that's just I've got questions about that. Well, yeah, I've got questions. Yeah. I, I, I think all of us have questions. Yeah. The first one is, where the hell they get that printer? And yeah. uh, is this a, I want one. Is this a standard ink cartridge, or is it special? I know, I'm right? curious on the size of the printer. It's... You know, we'll find you know, out. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll on the, the on story. the box outside says, takes two-car garage. <laughs> so, uh, Also, you won't believe who I managed to... Coerced into coming on the show. Yeah. Yeah. The Tell owner of the 1968 Bullet Mustang. No way. From, we were just yakking oh, about that last the week. Movie. Yeah. The one that's going on sale. The gentleman <laughs> wow. who owns it is named uh, Sean Kiernan. Uh, I've had a chance to speak to Sean this morning. He is a good guy. Yeah. He's a friendly guy and he really is a diehard uh, car guy, even beyond the Mustang. But we're going to have Sean on. We're going to talk to him about all the craziness that attends owning the world's most famous Mustang from the world's most famous movie car chase. 
and uh, he's he's got some interesting stuff to say. Nice. Can't wait to hear that. So, hey, we got a lot of news. Let's get to it. Well, I'll tell you what. you mind if I start? No, I, I, hey, listen, I, I wish you would. I, I kind of really want to get this uh, McLaren uh, news out there. The, the, the Speedtail prototype that hit 250 miles an hour. 250 miles? 250 miles now, an hour? It, it, now, now, granted, that's not like, you know, the record-breaking speed like a Bugatti or something. That, but that's, that's, not that's exactly. 100 miles an hour faster than I've ever gone outside of commercial air travel. <laughs> well, the, you know, well, there you go. Well, have you, have you seen pictures of that car? Too? I, you know what? I have seen a picture Dude, of it, and you know what it looks like it looks like a McLaren Speedtail. Yeah, speaking of needing a two car garage, yeah. except it needs to be lengthways. <laughs> it's it's uh it's not like a, a you know it's the only time it's seen a design like that. There's other cars that's that's kind of had that kind of design where that tail that that back end's kind of extra long. It doesn't have a big spoiler. To, but I think just that design, the, well, the, the way the air goes, though, yeah, and, and the way that tail just kind of whips out on the very back, almost ducktailish like in a sense. So you know, it doesn't I, need a big spoiler on there. Cool. I love driving big bricks for vehicles, uh-huh. but that thing, no, I would, this, I'd hop in that in a heartbeat. Well, they started with a brick and then they cut off everything. Yeah, they, they, they just kind of stretched it, kind of shaved next yeah. thing, you know. That's right. So basically, you're saying it's a it's a Chrysler Newport with a little less. I don't think so. Yeah, Damn. sure. <laughs> All right. Well, the Speedtail is a arriving early next year as a brand, uh, basically the brand successor to the legendary F1. And the reason I say oh, that cool. and not the P1 is because of the seating orientation. Yeah, it does have that kind of uh, trident layout. That's right. You sit in the middle. The driver sits in the middle of the car, and then you have room for left and right for a passenger. So it seats three people. Yeah, the passengers oh just like the off to the F1. sides and behind. Yeah. Oh, that's wild. So there's a main person in front, kind of like a pilot. Yeah. So yes. like like, oh, a, like an F one car that was the big thing about the McLaren F one. So you're sitting in the middle of the car. So, but unlike of course the F one, it is a little bit more like the P one in the fact of its drivetrain is hybrid. Yes, but yeah. we're talking a little bit more power here. We're talking a thousand fifty five horsepower. Oh my god, eight hundred forty eight foot pounds. Nice torque. commuter. It's a it's a little wedgie roller yeah. skate. Yes, god. yes. It's not a plug in hybrid though. It's like your typical hybrid cars where it's what all was that car you the, said it looked like. Oh, it looked like it looked a little bit like uh, the Buick Quad Four uh, Racer or Speedster from the mid to late eighties that Buick used as a test bed. I'm looking, I'm looking. Oh, yeah. Oh, there it is. Oh, the '87 Oldsmobile Aerotech ST. Yeah, yep. Olds. Pardon me, not Buick. Oh my God, that's yeah. It's uh, geez, it's almost exactly like that. Well, it has that so similar cool. kind of tail, though. Yeah, it's it? got the same butt. But they also yeah. did, they also did a Corvette prototype that was very similarly shaped, and it's the aerodynamics. It's how to get the air to move around the car. Are they just calling them names? And so uh, it's a Corvette prototype. How could it be? It, it, if ooh, it looks yeah, like yeah. this, I think it was a it's, Serve Three. It's, uh, huh. Yeah, whatever. Cool. Well, it's not. It's not like the only time the, the word speed tail has been used either in cars. So I mean, sure. Porsche even back in the day had a speed tail or yeah. something. That, but this thing, well, I, I think this is the first one you could actually buy, <laughs> provided you had, you know, a, a, a good chunk of money. Uh, I, I, I'm, a lot of insurance. Is there was there a dollar figure in there? I, I, I know I this thing. I didn't is, get a dollar figure on that. No, but uh, it's still the prototype. Yeah, there will yeah, be though. Yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> it, it should be coming into production. You know, hitting in next year at some point. Bottom of the window sticker says, "Bring your mortgage." They are going to do the same thing with like like they did with the F1, and only 106 of them will be made. So oh, get your wow. orders in quick. Oh wow! Uh, so uh, the price that's on there is not going to be the price. That and now, I will say. Since this isn't the world's fastest car by any means, it is still going to be the fastest that McLaren's ever built. 
Yeah, and the idea that it can do 250 not just once, but it right. can do it over, over and over right. and over again. It ain't just a, oh, we hit it. All did right, you, retired. Did you see that article about how it, uh, the problems with bringing in the U.S.? You're not going to be able to street legal it. Yeah, no, yeah. you're not, unfortunately. Yeah. you believe that? You can, you can only bring it in under, what is it, the show and display law? That's right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That is correct, yep. So that, that F1-style seating thing you talked about, the Trident thing, mm-hmm. is it legal here? Uh, it, it was at the time. Uh, Jay Leno owns one. But the thing, I think things were a little bit different, though, then, too. I think things were a little more strict well, yeah, nowadays was, than they were when the F1 came it, out in the it 90s. Was, it was early 90s DOT. It's quite a bit different right, now. Right. And then you but don't no, have... That, that was actually it was able to be sold in the United States, the F1. Oh, was. okay. Yeah. Provided you but had But that also, money. at the time, was the Guinness Book of World Records most powerful car. Topping oh, out wow. a, a street-legal you know, car that was 240-mile-an-hour top speed. But, <laughs> but also, again, almost 30 years ago. So. But I think this is going to outperform that F1 in well in every way possible. That's pretty sweet. I, I, I so. hope so. And that F1 was a watermark for it, it. It still is. Now, now little things that I mean, obviously in the I mean McLaren's been doing wonderful things with cars for many years and racing and very successful, and they they know what they're doing when it, to build a fast car and to build it stable at that too. But I'm kind of curious because the F1, the idea that was like that weighed like the size of a Nissan Sentra. Yeah, I mean, they were it not didn't made. weigh nothing. And it was carbon fiber, which was a pretty new thing at the time to be oh, in a production I'm, I'm car. I'm sure this will be carbon fiber. I'm curious yeah. what the weight of this one's going to be, though, just titanium because I'm a numbers kind of guy. Um, if I had to guess, I would say probably 3,000 or maybe a little bit less. But I if you're talking 1,000 horsepower... You know, it, it, that's yeah. that'll scoot it, your boot, right? It, and and it's it's one of these cars that I feel like if they wanted to top that that speed faster, if they wanted to go quicker, they could. They just said, "Nah, two fifty is good." I'm gonna go look up that article. Two fifty is pretty modest. Yeah. I, I really yeah. want to see more specifics on this. I want to see more stats. Yeah, you think if you got going fast enough and going two fifty through like rush hour, you would just go underneath the cars? <laughs> no, no, you just pass through no. them. It's like that molecular thing where you just pass through the empty spaces between the molecules. They, I thought maybe that could be a good selling point. No, I think they pick you up and several other people with a sponge and a spatula, <laughs> take you back to your loved ones in a Ziploc bag. Here's what's left of him. Yeah, here you go. <laughs> and, and here's a little bit on my gloves. Yet here you can have, you those, can have too. those too. You know, if you want, you can burn the big chunks and use it for. <laughs> well, all, all right. right. If you That's think the McLaren was fast, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're uh, good. For Christmas, uh, a Christmas tree has now set another uh, new record. A Christmas tree. A Christmas tree. Well, <laughs> a few years ago, and I found the uh, the What's video. The it's on YouTube, and it's kind of funny when uh, Hennessy. Uh, Texas Tuning oh, House. Okay. Of course. They of course. strapped a Christmas tree on the top of a stock Dodge Challenger Hellcat widebody, and they made it to 173 miles per hour <laughs> with a Christmas tree on top. I don't know if they put the pointy end front to get the aerodynamics. I one. would hope. You know, I'm guessing you get over about 80, that thing opens up like a parachute. <laughs> so I would think, you know, like when you buy them, you know, they're all folded upwards and netted down. I bet it was like that. Might have been. I'd feel sorry for the squirrel, though, apart. once that thing popped open. <laughs> Jesus jumps on the barrel. But uh, so this This year, (laughs) literally, uh, hold on to them. This year they they went with something a little heavier, about a thousand pounds heavier. They strapped a Christmas tree to the top of a thousand horsepower Jeep Cherokee Trackhawk. That makes sense. Uh, You know, back. You know, I mentioned uh, driving a brick. Here you go. But this brick went 181 miles per hour. It's just a Christmas tree on top. It's just proof. If you put enough power 
or something, boy. <laughs> uh, but just wait. Next year, they're looking for a 200-mile-per-hour uh, holiday ho-ho-ho so, you go. I don't understand when they're done with this, how could there even be a tree left? <laughs> Because I've seen winds at like 40, 50 miles an hour, and, and they can get ripped from the ground. I'm guessing every loose needle on that I thing is gone. I was just thinking that, yeah. If anything's dry on it, it's it's fixed. You can put that in the house, and it's not going to so drop gonna a needle So it's going to look like a Charlie Brown years. Christmas and oh, it's yeah. done, right? <laughs> It's I, a, it was cool to watch. It was cool to see. We're so all, check we're that all out. sitting here. I'm assuming this is a, a real tree, a live tree, and not yeah, an yeah. artificial one. Yeah, that's oh, yeah. kind of what I'm assuming. Uh, too bad it wasn't like the tinsel one with the little light going in. The well, I was, th- think I was thinking maybe you could proud. get one of those frosted ones that was pre-lit, you know? So just think, <laughs> the guys are sitting around in Hennessy. They're going, my goodness, what can we be doing this Christmas? I know. Let's strap a tree on top of something that's super duper fast. And go. And go. Yeah. It's... <laughs> Oh, that's from CarAndDriver.com. What's, what's you know, eventually, Are they going to put a Hemi on a sleigh? Eventually, they're going to jam a jet <laughs> oh. engine and a station wagon and put a Santa and a reindeer on top You there. know what? Please, God, yes. <laughs> I oh, I want to. I'll, I'll pay to see that. Brett, <laughs> I, Brett I think they're going to take your idea and, and throw that 1,000-horsepower engine in a in a uh, shopping cart. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I like the shopping cart idea. <laughs> let's see how fast, let's see fast Christmas shopping can go down the highway. <laughs> By God, I'm getting stuff done. I bought presents for 85 people in 3.7 seconds. <laughs> Jeez. Every week, I just wonder when it's going to go off the road, man. And uh, I, I think we're getting there pretty quick. Woo-hoo. Hey, uh, Rivian has got even deeper pockets than they had before. They did another round of, uh, of fundraising, it looks like, and secured $1.3 billion in investments wow. uh, from T. Rowe Price Associates. Now, this is after earlier in the year they had gotten uh, $700 million from Amazon, and then Amazon placed a giant order with them for lots of trucks. So that's kind of self-fulfilling. And they'd also gotten a $500 million uh, check from Ford. And in April, they got another $350 million from Cox Automotive. So these guys are getting real close to $3 billion. I'm guessing they're going to build this. If not, this is the biggest uh, pyramid scam there's ever so been. So do you think they're going to make something I'm with hoping, this money? I'm hoping. So they're just going to keep raising money just to kind of, hey, we got some more. Well, you know, that Congress does kind of, can learn something that kind of worries me because there's been a couple of cars I've seen or companies I've seen come through. There was a, and I cannot for the life of me remember it, and I should have done that before we started recording. Uh, there's a little car company that had Elio. These, Elio, yes. It was Elio. And they got they got that GM plant Elio. down in Louisiana, and they were going to build all this and do all this and yada. I got do you a know? lot of people sent in their 100 bucks reservations, yeah. got their freaking t shirt, and those sons of bees. You know how close. I came to give those guys home. money. Oh my god! I, I wanted, wanted one of those things. Yeah, oh, I, I would have driven the crap out of that thing. I wanted one because it was supposed to be set up with a motorcycle engine, and at the time I had a spare motorcycle engine laying around. Except mine was a little more potent than what they were going to use. <laughs> you were going to do a Ooh, swap, oh baby! <laughs> there was going to be a fat tire on the back of that little Elio-looking thing. <laughs> yeah, sitting tandem. I mean, the thing was cool, and then they. What was that? Just past us doing 150. <laughs> so uh uh yeah from motor1.com news uh pretty cool i i hope that this is like well i guess with billions in investment it would have to be something yeah the absolutely real deal. uh but yeah they, it looks like they are well financed and well on their way to building this these the rivian is just going to build electric trucks and electric suvs and huh. after the Amazon thing, it sounded like they were probably going to do electric vans as well. That would be cool. Bring so, it on. Uh, 
Can you can we get this last one in real fast? No, we have, it, our... we have to get this last one in because yeah. this is the coolest thing I've this seen in like a while. This is like a Christmas Christmas dream come true. Go for it, run it. Oh well, a uh, family in uh, Colorado uh, has been printing their very own Lamborghini. It's so cool. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Like for like a poster for their wall? No, <laughs> sir. Because oh, you can print those. No, this is for one you can like put your butt in and go drive around. Uh, when your dad's so a not like a remote control engineer. Car. No, no. This this is what happens when you've got a dad that's smarter than any other dad in the neighborhood. No kidding. Uh, a kid named Xander Backus has been playing uh, video games. He's been playing Forza Horizon 3 uh, on Xbox for a while. And and he found himself pretty consistently choosing to drive the Lamborghini Aventador in the game. And his dad took notice of it. And the kid asked his dad, hey, uh, can we build a Lamborghini? And normally this would be a, a, a huge no-no. I think my dad's exact term would have been, are you stupid? <laughs> I'll have to put the rocket ship on hold. Except Xander's dad, Sterling Backus, is a physicist. Yep. and knows how to build things. So they took a 3D printer and started printing parts to make a Lamborghini Aventador. Isn't that nuts? Isn't that and crazy? They've been working on it for quite a while, and you know they aren't going to have the exact V12 engine the Aventador does, but they're going to have a, a Chevy V8. I'm the guessing something along an LS, which is plenty potent. And most yeah. of the parts were really, really close to the Aventador, but they were tweaking them just slightly so that they wouldn't get in trouble with Lamborghini for making a fake Aventador. Lamborghini caught wind of it, and their chief marketing and communications officer sent the Bacchus family an Aventador to enjoy over the Christmas holiday. <laughs> they That's got it. Awesome. They've got oh, it for a few days. Crazy. And they're doing a little they've done a little bit of a documentary about the car and the Bacchus family and man, how cool is that? You're building an Aventador well, and Lamborghini gonna, catches wind yeah. of it and they say, oh no, no, no. We're not mad at you. We'll help you out. Now they got to go back through and, and make all those parts more identical now. They can't. Can you imagine how PO'd all the other dads are at the Pinewood Derby when this, you know, jack wagon so shows bucks. up? <laughs> Catches the track on fire. <laughs> oh, God, Bax is here. No, no, I'm out. I'm Xander, out. everybody here hates your dad. For, for God's sakes. But uh, that is just the, I think it's the coolest thing ever. And it, it is nice that uh, uh, Lamborghini was able to, They, you know, they turned it into kind of a, uh, a marketing well, campaign. Well, it's a, it's a positive it was, PR It's one of the few heartfelt marketing campaigns that you get for father and son stuff from, right, you know, freaking right. Lamborghini. So, Otherwise, it's half-naked yeah. chicks and dudes with bad beards. Yeah, well, we don't want the bad beards. From what I hear. But uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, I got stuck at half naked chicks. <laughs> so, so is it done? Did they did they finish it? Oh, it's still it's a work in progress. No, they're still they're still working on you gotta it. Got to fit pieces on and then kind of sand them down because it comes out so, a little rough. So, from how the long does something like this take? You think uh, a few years? You know, can you imagine that kid's date, his prom date, when he pulls up in a self made Lamb- or Lamborghini for frig's sake? Not a bad deal. Yeah, I'm. I'm guessing that's better than any limo you rent for cool. prom. Oh, you think? <laughs> it's, it's definitely going to be a one of a kind ordeal. That's for sure. <laughs> and she'll never There's know. No it's just a V8. This, this, <laughs> this, this, like, this ain't a kit car. This is a 3D printed car. This, this this trumps all in the my dad can beat up your dad argument. <laughs> yeah. Or that my dad's got a cooler car than your dad. My dad can yeah. outbuild the car than your dad built. <laughs> yeah, my dad built a Lamborghini in the living room. What do you got? Yeah. What do you, yeah, uh, what do you got? 
Like, I got a birdhouse. 3D printing still just amazes the heck out of me. Even though you can see it in person, I, I still have a hard time believing it. It just seems so unreal to me, I, still I, to this day. The, the pictures absolutely blew me away. Here's the great thing. All the stuff we've been talking about, I will have links for on the website. Excellent. And you'll be able to go look at this Aventador. It's just staggering. Definitely, I cannot believe this Definitely kind of need stuff. to take a better look at that. Well, we hey, we need to get uh, Sean Kiernan on yes. here. Uh, we're going to talk to him about the Bullet Mustang. It's been in his family forever, since before he was born, and why he decided to finally tell everybody that he had it and why they're going to sell it and all the weird stuff that goes along with owning a famous movie car. And we'll have all that coming up here on Driven Radio. We're back, and we're back with uh, Sean Kiernan. Uh, Sean has over 20 years' experience in the automotive industry as both a professional and an enthusiast. Uh, he started off being uh, kind of a paint and bodywork guy. Uh, we love them. And then became a paint and bodywork uh, salesman, uh, and he's also... He's also a manager and a consultant, and uh, he's a collision repair advisor. He's a restorer. He's a service expert in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, he's got a really cool collection of cars. He's got an old Porsche. He's got a, a 2014 Mustang that he uses for autocross, but I, I buried the lead. Sean owns the 1968 Bullet Mustang from the movie Bullet. Nice. That's and in for the win. Super cool. And... Uh, it's going to sail at the Mecham Auction in Kissimmee, Florida, right after the first of the year. It is a no-reserve auction. It is absolutely going to sell. Somebody is going to have the opportunity to take that beast home. Sean, welcome to Driven Radio. Oh, it's great to be here. Uh, absolutely. For people who are unfamiliar with the story, which is three people who live down the street in a home, how did your dad come to own this car? Um, honestly, I mean, everything about this car since the beginning of its life uh, has been about timing. And, yeah, it was, uh, it was almost a fluke thing. Um, but in 1974, movie cars weren't a thing, um, which made it, you know, obviously easier accessible. Um but the uh, second owner, Frank, uh, put it in a classified ad road track, and my dad, you know, pulled it. You know, he he looks through Hemmings and road and track. I mean, this is what we did. You know, we still do today, right? Yeah, absolutely. Craigslist and eBay, yeah. So he was the one that, you know, was always flipping through classifieds and stuff like that. Mom had given him the blessing of buying a new car and uh, because they had just sold it at MGBGT. Um, he had just sold it and he didn't need a car. He, uh, he actually took a train into the city in uh, New York city. Um, and, uh, mom, uh, she was borrowing my, uh, grandfather's. And so she had given him the blessing to buy a new car. Um, he's, he had always been a Mustang fan. Uh, but you know, probably more than that, a Carroll Shelby fan and was looking for a fastback was actually looking for a GT three fifty. Um, came across this, and uh, he was the only one that called, the only one that showed up, and oh, wow. took off with it on a Friday afternoon for 3500 bucks. No kidding. Did the ad <laughs> say that it was a movie car? Yeah. 
Dad said it was a movie car, um, well-documented, or best offer. Oh, my goodness. Um, he bought it fun, for... The fun thing that I, I love telling everybody, and, you know, we've got a documentary coming out, hopefully in a couple of, diff- couple of months, probably spring, uh, that tells all these weird quirks. But in 1970, uh, in late 69, uh, the car was for sale um, for $3,500 in Hemmings, uh, in um, in posted every week or every month in LA, uh, and it was nine and a half months. It was for sale, and no one called. Oh wow, and, no one. And your dad bought it for thirty five hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah. Oh my word. Yeah. So everybody had the chance to own the car, and a lot of people, you know, uh, definitely had the shot and turned it down. So this has um, been in your family I, since. I love about it. This has been in your family since seventy four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, when I sell it in 15 days, it'll be the first time in 46 years. Wow. The car's older than you are. It's been in your family longer than you have been. That's like a two-owner. Yes. (laughs) I don't know my life without it. That's probably, out of everything, what scares me the most um, is that, yeah, I've never never been alive without a bullet in my garage. So uh that's gonna uh, yeah i'm just gonna have to stay busy so it will be a new chapter for you <laughs> yeah that's gonna be strange and oh, first time yeah, you're walking in like be... oh my car's gone okay in high yeah. school sean did uh did you take it out on any dates or were you able to drive it while you were in high school nope oh. uh, car oh. garage the whole time yeah um i was an absolute car nerd but all my uh Friends were Camaro guys. Every one of them. All right, dude. So I got a little older, and then um, the guy that actually taught me uh, everything about paint bodies, uh, he's the one that got me into Mustangs on a racing, drag racing kind of thing. Um, and then we, you know, I played around with drag racing for about five years. He still does it. Well, um, but he was my only friend that had a Mustang. Now, unless I'm mistaken, part of the reason you weren't driving that in high school is the car wasn't in one piece. Right, yeah, in 2001. <laughs> that would be um, a problem. We had started, yeah, we had started taking it apart. Um, and the car got parked in 80. Uh, it wasn't so much practical for uh, two Great Danes, two kids, and a mom and dad be, you know, uh, vacationing in a fastback. Oh, that sounds like a suburban. <laughs> um, hey, come yeah. on, dude. You yeah. work for Grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, uh, and, you know, my mom driving this thing around during the the uh, gas crisis and the big block and everything they you know they made it through that just fine um and uh in 1980 dad bought a plymouth horizon oh that no was daily at that point and oh, uh no. you know, i have that car too but no one cares about that <laughs> how odd is that <laughs> no is that a, is that one of the shelby yeah. ones like that dodge omni that no, was a shelby no this is 1980 just a, it wasn't no. oh yeah wow no, that, far out that would be, i know that well though yeah you might not be able to put a reserve on that one yeah, yeah. that would be k-car crap there would box. be a lot of reservations on that one. <laughs> oh gosh yeah. it's wild that you I, still I, have I, it though yeah yeah well i have i mean you know we we rarely get rid of anything uh ever uh which is honestly when it comes down to it why i'm talking to you today uh because my dad ordered cars well Um, when you say just that it was horses and everything so when you say that you parked it and uh that you disassembled it how far down did you take Mm -hmm. 
Uh, all the way. Um, everything but the doors, the dash, and the glass. Um, <laughs> didn't take the glass out because uh, it had the Warner Brothers sticker in it. Um, and every windshield you take out of a Mustang. It breaks. Uh, cracked. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, the it still has the Warner Brothers parking pass on it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Um, yeah, it's... Uh, in the bottom right hand of the uh, uh, the uh, windshield is what I call the money shot. So it's got the <laughs> VIN number, um, the last time it was registered, and the Warner Brothers sticker all right there. Oh, that um, is so cool. And that was cool. another reason that it got parked, too, because um, in Jersey, on the windshield, they wanted it on the bottom right. They wanted they had to uh, take that sticker off, and he fought with them every year. And uh, they... they told him you know you can go two inches above it or whatever eventually but he had to get you know the state didn't care that it was a super cool movie car yeah absolutely not yeah um you've been to the dmv they They don't care about anything (laughs) yeah Yeah. especially not you satisfaction is is people crying (laughs) schadenfreude (laughs) don't see a lot of people at the dmv who understand cool they know no pain, no yeah. gain. <laughs> no kidding. Exactly. No feeling. Exactly. Um, yeah, so, and then the dash, uh, we left the dash in just because it didn't need to come out. Uh, everything under the dash uh, still is just uh, perfection. Uh, no, nothing. Uh, just, it looks as clean as the day it came out. Wow. Um, then the, uh, the doors I was scared to take off because I think they weigh 300 pounds a piece. Um, they uh, are full of Bondo. Um, old uh, car is, but yeah. Uh, and I'm gonna tell you, if if you ever get a chance, um, well, I, I probably won't own it, so you know, don't get shot. But take the try, take the passenger side door, open it, and close it, and it's the easiest door you've ever shut in your life, and it <laughs> is absolutely sculpted. Uh, <laughs> now, it, do you know why? Is there a reason for all that? Was it just to get the bends out of it for the movie, or? Uh, oh no! So it got beat up for the movie. Um, I talked to the guy that actually did uh, all the work um, recently. I still talk to him uh, quite often, actually. Um, but they beat it up for the movie to make it look like a you know a detective's car because they didn't want him driving around something shiny because that wouldn't right. be believable. Um, and so they beat it up for the movie, beat it up obviously during the movie. And I mean, absolutely, this car did 95% of the chase. It was the one at the end that ended up in the ditch, banging back wow. and forth. I mean, yep. wow. the thing was absolutely hammered. And uh, so it goes back to the body shop that beat it up for the movie. Um, <laughs> and they didn't, it's not like they did this ultimate, you know, rotisserie restoration on it. They basically uh made a car back to look kind of like a mustang wiped green off and the black off and everything in most places uh shot it with the worst lacquer you could probably uh, get at the time and wow. it's very thin there's tape lines <laughs> everywhere and uh and this was not quality work <laughs> oh absolutely not i'm the crazy guy 50 years later make sure it doesn't fall off um, and that's the problem <laughs> And, you know, and that's the preservation side of it. Is this thing was never in pristine condition. They beat the crap out of it the day it came out of the showroom. I mean, you know, it came off the line. Wow. And, uh, yeah, so the um, the whole thing never, I mean, it's like $930. And, I mean, you saw the car at the end, and the uh, the ticket on it was 930 bucks. And <laughs> wow. uh, they'd basically turn it around, and um, that's when the uh, first owner bought it. Uh, yeah. So, 
this thing's been sitting in your barn forever and it's been mostly disassembled. What possessed you to put it back together? Uh, well, in 2014, um, my dad had passed away uh, unexpectedly. Um, he was 66. And oh, wow, that's early. Car was in, uh, we have a you know two-car garage on, on the house, um, and Bolt's been sitting in the same spot since 95 uh, when we moved here. And so um, when dad passed away, uh, I basically didn't even – I was avoiding the garage. I wouldn't even go in there. Um so I took care of the horses, the farm, you know, things you have to whenever, you know, things get disrupted like that. You, know, you take care of life in your every day. And then right. uh, that was in 2014, 2015, I got married. Um, and then say no that, more. <laughs> yeah. we, we've uh, all been through that. <laughs> exactly. And uh, got inspired um, to get back into the garage and uh, put the car together and I mean, it's all about timing and, you know, more than, honestly, more than sharing the car or, you know, uh, coming, you know, uh, to light after being a secret for so long really wasn't the biggest part of it. The biggest part of it was uh, telling the right story and telling my dad's story and, and yeah, the reasoning cool. behind everything. Because at that point, everything was extremely negative still on the internet and where's the car and why are, you know, pe- people hiding it and everything. And, uh, you know, my goal was to tell that story because not only was it going to be uh, setting the story straight, uh, but it was obviously going to be therapeutic for me too, uh, building the car that me and my dad had taken apart. And then on top of that, telling his story and nice. talking about him and yeah, that was that's uh, reason. yeah and that's what i wanted to do and and uh yeah I, I think that um i did that to the best of my ability and and uh telling my mom and dad's story and just the family and taking care of the car and um yeah that, that was that was the main goal and then have fun and absolutely annihilate my bucket list while i was doing it. <laughs> <laughs> boom win-win now yeah you're a car guy already you've worked on a lot of stuff before you get to get around to bullet uh but bullet's not your average mustang it was modified for the movie and there were a bunch of other parts and then they did really slipshod bodywork. it sounds like trying to make it passable mm. when they sold it uh, was putting this back together difficult? How long did it take you? Yeah, it it, uh, it was in yeah. It, it was what was interesting about it is because it was such a secret. Um, and and you oh, know, you couldn't right ask reason, anybody for any help either. Yeah, I couldn't pick up the phone and call. You know, uh, <laughs> any oh man, and go. I, I, I didn't think got about the that. Car. And then the other thing is that uh, you know Max Pachowski is the one that built it. Yeah, and you know, this guy is not known for using off-the-shelf stuff, and he built a one-off suspension on it, <laughs> and uh, I, I'm pretty sure he couldn't rebuild it if he was still alive. And uh, I mean, who do you, who do you call to do that? So I was basically, um, it was 90% internet, and then 10% luck. Um, you know. <laughs> <laughs> But I have so much boxes of just stuff that I've ordered and tried. And, I mean, between bushings and, uh, you know, just certain things that I'm trying to, to, to get to the, to the right spot. Because, you know, my goal is never to disrupt the outside of the car. But my goal was to make sure that it could drive. And, like, you sure. know, if I was going up to Goodwood Festival, speed the drive shaft didn't 
drop out. Yeah. <laughs> no, but the, but they did that. Uh, Time big thing, yeah. So it, it's just you know uh, that and, and fire. Fire scared the crap out of me. <laughs> fire crap. should scare the crap out of you. There's there's a reason that it should. Uh, so well, the, yeah. I tell you why I'm scared of fire is because. The first time another car that's worth this much, I called Bakil Haggerty, and he's the one that insured it. He goes, "The only thing we're scared of is fire. Everything else, yeah, I was scared to death. First time I started it, my wife was in front of us, the fire extinguisher, <laughs> <laughs> and it's it just, you know, it's those are the situations that you have to deal with. That's got to be it, that that has to be the scariest possible thing is being afraid this thing's going to catch fire and sitting there going. Okay, I'm going to turn the key. I'm yeah. going to turn the key. I'm okay. Turn the key. Fingers crossed. That's yeah. that 10% luck. Oh, yeah. but, but you're better, sweet, better safe than sorry with yeah, this. Sweet Jesus, don't let this thing burn. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or, you know, anything. I mean, throw a rod through it. or I mean, because I couldn't. It, it, there's the other problem with it is firing it up, having it. You know, I live on a mountain and can't go soon, right? You can't go running down the road. Uh, reason being is because I have a lot of Mustang friend, people, neighbors, and they see it. Um, I mean, these things, it has camera mounts. Oh, and you look at it, and you, you know it's bullet because of the camera mounts and everything. It yeah. has the way it sits and everything. And, uh, you know, in my mind, I don't want to be, I wanted wanted to be able to control my unveiling of the car. I didn't want it to, uh, to come out too soon and, um, and have to answer things without even thinking about it yet. So I couldn't test in soon. So the first time I actually got it in the second gear was the day I shot in its garage. So um, wow. about 45 minutes before I, uh, before Leno drove the car, um, I'm out there like, you know, uh, bearing on it just a little bit to make sure that the wheels aren't going to fall off. Come on, I baby, know, shift. You know? so, so he really was yeah. like the second person next to you that drove that car once you got it back together. Oh, absolutely. And he's wow. the only one since. And, uh, yeah, because I don't want anybody to drive it. Because Smart. Yeah. perception's key. And, and you know. Um, yeah, this isn't the car you put on Turo. It, it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. And we're letting any, you know, uh, five or six-year-olds come around it. Um, and and that's, that's the thing is, you know, I mean, somebody might touch it and have the greatest day ever and i won't sleep for a week and, <laughs> yeah that, that's also a good reason to kind of uh, let the dream go on that one too because that's a that's being that'd be hard to be that nervous about your vehicle uh, i can i, I can yeah. tell you what that's like a little oh yeah you can too <laughs> <laughs> part of the the legend that follows this car around uh, is really cool. McQueen found out where it was not long after Sean's dad bought it. And uh-huh. he tried repeatedly to buy it, uh, so much so that, uh, Sean, I think you've got the letter for that, that McQueen sent your dad? I do, yeah. Can you tell? Oh, wow. Can you talk about why your dad told him no? Yeah. Um, uh, the biggest thing, I mean, dad had it for three years. Um, and uh, McQueen called, and, it, and he wasn't saying, hey, I'll give you, you know, a certain amount of money or, or whatever. Um, Dad was in New Jersey, McQueen obviously being in California, Southern California. Um, but the biggest thing was is this is my mom and dad's only car. This wasn't one of ten. This is their only – this is it. I mean, you know, it's McQueen. We have to ship this car out to McQueen. How the hell are we going to get to work in the morning? I mean, it was that situation. <laughs> oh it wasn't, gosh. you know – 
uh, it wasn't, hey, McQueen, you can't have this because I want it. But the thing is, is my dad was not starstruck by anyone um, at all, ever. And uh, <laughs> McQueen wasn't offering some kind of crazy amount of money or anything. He was just saying, hey, I'll try to get you something like it. And, I mean, everybody's seeing the car. There's nothing like it. No, there isn't. Uh, you no, know, really, no. you, you instantly fall in love with it. and It kind of brings you back quickly. And it's something that my dad loved. And, man, uh, he hangs on to or hung on to everything. And uh, I think I got that trait, too. Um, this is honestly this is the first car uh, we're ever selling. And, uh, yeah. Wow. But the good thing is, is with selling this, I don't think I'll have to sell them yet. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I, I, I think it'd be all right. Yeah. yeah no uh, I, although, if anybody wants the Horizon, I might let that go. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. You might have to pay somebody to buy it, but you know we'll we'll go with it. <laughs> One of the uh, questions I, I know you've. <laughs> I'm sorry. One of the questions <laughs> that you've answered a million times, and probably with every interview, is why are you selling the car? But the one thing mm. most people don't know is that this isn't your car to sell. What? Uh, how did the yeah, how, yeah. how did the car's 11 year old owner take it when <laughs> you told her? <laughs> That you were gonna, that you were gonna sell the Mustang. Oh, there's yeah. a story here. Well, see, the biggest thing for me. So my mom or my dad and my uh, my eleven year old. Um, uh, it's my eleven year old's Brooklyn, and uh, she called my dad Bob. Um, my dad didn't want to be called Grandpa or whatever. He just, you know, Bob's good. And so she calls it Bob's car. And you know, for me, when I started. Uh, having all these conversations and everything and people asking you why or this or that or anything like that um, I was like I don't know you'd have to ask my daughter uh, it's actually her car she's the one in control of everything and a lot of people don't ask the second question because they pick, they're not going to question her on anything and <laughs> it started to be a thing and uh, she took it and she ran with it and she uh, could probably answer more questions than I could. Um, we just did macaque about a month ago, and I think she talked to more people than I did. And, I mean, people were asking for her autograph even. It was funny. Oh, that's uh, awesome. So that's she, cool. she has a blast with it. Um, I mean, she, has a, she had an amazing connection with my father. And, uh, yeah, I, she's the, honestly, out of everyone, she's the first one I told, the first one I took to the restaurant sat down and said look this is what i'm thinking and this is why i'm thinking it but she gets it and she was the first one to get it because she sees it firsthand how how long i'm gone and you know that i want to be home and you know the best place to be is home and she loves the whole aspect of everything but at the same time she still loves to drive and ride in the cars and you know she rides with me about 40 feet we put it on the trailer and it's kind of a bummer so she loves to ride and uh, she gets the whole deal. Nice. We're talking with uh, Sean yeah. Kiernan. He's the owner of the 68 uh, Highland Green Mustang from Bullet that's going to sail at the Mecham Auction in Kissimmee, Florida, here in a couple of weeks. Uh, you live more than a little bit off the beaten path. Um, mm-hmm. Since you revealed the Joe in the car, uh, you have the most famous Mustang of all time from the most famous movie car chase of all time. People have been trying to find the car for years, and now they're trying to track you down. What's the weirdest thing that's happened since you let people know you have this? Uh, the weirdest thing? Um, I'll tell you exactly what it is. I had a, uh, a Mustang 
club from France. Uh, the president of France? the club reached out to me. Yeah, and uh, the, they 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 were shipping their cars over here and everything, and they're doing this big cruise across for an anniversary of something, <laughs> and they wanted to make my house a stop on their cruise. Are you kidding? And uh, to see my collection, I was like, dude, huh. I've got a two-car garage. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't have a collection or no. And, you know, the funny thing about this, and I talk, I joke with my mom and my wife about it, is that if my dad was still alive, if somebody showed up knocking on the door, I'm not sure somebody wouldn't be shot. <laughs> 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 well, I'm not going to do that, but my dad was the guy to not... not yeah, not take anything from anybody like that, obviously. And, uh, yeah, that was the, the weirdest ask is I would, you know, these people that I don't know asking to come to my house. So you and didn't you didn't let the French club come up? They didn't bring, like, you know, linguine no. and pasta and I, bread you, and uh, wine and cheese? I that to my wife. I certainly know what. My wife would be gone. I already dragged her from the city to the country, and she's, you know, we don't have neighbors. And now you're bringing in weird French out. people. That's it. I'm out. But <laughs> exactly. Here's the call. Yeah. Oui, oui. But as far out <laughs> as far out as you live, uh, if people show up at your house, like you know, like we talked about this morning, yeah, the UPS yeah. guy and the mailman, they're supposed to be there. And you said that you've right. had people just show up. Oh yeah, and, oh, wow. uh, and honestly, drive. You know, I've got a barn behind me, and drive right past the house and go up to the barn, and you know, be looking around. It's it's really uh, it's not something I guess I was expecting. Um, it was that, and so those are the ones or the letters that I get at the house and stuff like that. And, you know, I, I just I don't tell. Is that bizarre or what? Yeah, that's a little yeah, odd. That's and, for sure. Yeah, and, I, I wouldn't uh, like that. No, no, it's it's uh, and it, it's not on purpose thing. I mean, it's it's one of those driveways when you end up at the end of it, and you know, you, it's not your GPS doesn't take you there. Although, Sean, uh, if you so, just if you keep the car, I mean, you you've already got a cult. <laughs> all you need mm-hmm. to do is start telling them to give them all your money, and they'll be able to drive that car in heaven. Uh-huh. <laughs> you're oh, in like Flint, guy. Yeah. Yeah, you're gonna have you're gonna have people drinking Kool Aid here in a minute, aren't you? <laughs> Are you kidding? It's gonna well, be Tennessee whiskey. Be, yeah. It's gonna be delicious. Yeah, well, <laughs> little George Dickel goes a long way. Yeah, <laughs> amen. Yeah. These people are gonna be showing up at his house, going, "His doorbell sounds like a shotgun." <laughs> Feels exactly. like it too. Yep. Yeah. So. Since you, since you let everybody know that you had it, I'm guessing that you've probably had a lot of offers to buy this thing. What's the strangest offer you've had yet? Um, no real crazy offers. Um, you know, it's just I think that when people meet me and they hear the story, they they don't really at the end of the story say, "Well, I'll give you this for it." Um, I've had a lot of invitations to certain places to, to have a sit down, and uh, you know, I, I'm. At any point, I think in my head, I always knew it wasn't going to be a private sale um, just because, you know, this is hopefully going to end up being something as rare as the car is. And, uh, you know, why not make it a spectacle that everybody can be a part of? And uh, But the part to that is also the auction side of it is extremely exciting. And then you add on the no reserve, knowing it's going to sell. Um, I mean, it's just a recipe for just an awesome, fun 15 minutes or 10 minutes even, however long the actual auction 
uh, lasts. Uh, it, it's it all comes down to that. And well, I'll give you, you thirty five hundred right think, now. I'll make sure to yeah, cover what you paid for it. Forty five, buddy. I got forty five hundred. You jerk. Too rich for me. Too rich for me. Hopefully, we're going to start it at thirty five hundred, and then you know we'll bump it up. That's uh, awesome. That's great. All right, yeah. real real quickly, you mentioned that there's a documentary coming out about it. I love this. Yes. Tell them. Tell uh, tell these guys what the name of the documentary is and where the name comes from. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah, the documentary we've been working on since the, gosh, before I even fired it up. Um, more or less since 2015, we've been shooting this documentary. It's going to end up being insanely long, but it gets deep and down with the not only the, the car, but the movie and everything. And it, it pretty much trails the car uh, and every little story around it. So it's going to be, um, it's going to set the bar for any bullet trivia whatsoever. But uh, the name of the documentary is Little Pieces, um, and <laughs> nice. the uh, that title is twofold. Uh, first, first one is that uh, when my dad passed away, the car was in Little Pieces. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> second one is is that the car didn't have a red line on the tachometer, and Max Velchowski put a sticker on the or a masking tape on the tack and wrote on it Little Pieces and told McQueen, if you go past this point, is that the best that is all right i love that i i really would wish i could have met that guy and your dad that sounds very cool all righty so what are your hopes what are your hopes for the mustang after the sale who should own this car um you know i think somebody that has the ability uh, to own a car like this, but have a team or at least a, an advisory to be able to look after it, preserve it, not restore it, um, you know, and, and just kind of keep this story going. Uh, I obviously love this car for, you know, what it is to me, which is my father and my family's car. Um, you know, it's that first and Bullet second to me. And, uh, you know, Bullet has a lot of different kind of love to give. And I think that a lot of people love it because not only Bullet, but Queen, and then beyond that, movie props, and then you start getting into every box that this thing checks, and whether it be Max Belchowski or McQueen or any part of it that, you know, Solar Productions getting into the Warner Brothers side of it, you know, I think that who does buy it is going to buy it for that reason, for the romance of it, and they are going to keep it and continue to preserve it, and I think that's what she needs. Um yeah, it's more than anything. I think that's, you know, it doesn't need to be a stressful situation for whoever owns it. You know, uh, I think that's key. That car, the story, your family, it's all just dripping with soul. And I think that's what attracts yeah. us as car guys. Yeah. And oh, very much so. Absolutely. So very cool. Sean, thanks a ton. We've been talking with Sean Kiernan, owner of the Bullet Mustang, about the upcoming sale at Meekum Auctions in uh, Kissimmee, Florida. You'll be able to find all of Sean's social media links, links to the car social media, links to the Historic Vehicle Society that is doing the documentary, and links to Meekum Auction, all on readthedriven.com. Thanks so much for spending time with driven radio we love what we do we wouldn't be able to do it without our listeners you are what makes it possible for us to do this show you can find us online at readthedriven.com follow us on facebook at forward slash driven radio on twitter at driven radio and everywhere fine podcasts are heard i am brett hatfield for Corey pratt and mark l groves thank you so much for listening and we'll be with you next time here on driven radio